Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Okay, leader, many of you have reached out and asked me what it's like to work with me in my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of exactly what you get in working with me for that six-month program. You get transformation. You get walking into any room, any situation, knowing you belong, having control, having people come to you. But on a tangible basis, what does that look like? It starts with seven one-on-one laser-focused individual coaching sessions with me over six months, and then access to the six months of live weekly small group coaching calls. And because you know I only coach a handful of people, sometimes there are only two or three people on those calls. Sometimes it's only you and me. So that's like another weekly coaching session And you get to get the perspective of other executive leaders who are in the same place that you are. Get six-month access to my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life time-saving assets, trainings, modules, and all kinds of workbooks that personalize this to you. The self-discovery is inspiring. Can't wait to get on to the next module and see how much more self-control you'll have over those negative thoughts that have been holding you back. There's a private online community where we can share daily questions, but the special bonus is you have 24-7 email access to me. I'm your coach on call. You want me to look at your resume? I'm happy to. Any of the exercises that you're having difficulty with, you don't have to wait to the call. You just reach out to me and I will get back to you within 24 work hours. You're having a problem at work with somebody? I'm your coach on call. There's a leadership intake analysis that I read on my own time so that I can get more background on you, not have to use up your sessions with me. And exclusive to this program, Flow on the Go Weekly Planner, where you can track your routines, track your gratitude, track what's changing, what's showing up for you. Well, what does this look like over the six months, Mary Lee? Okay, number one, that first month, you notice your patterns, your habits. You start noticing the patterns and habits of others. You have defined your signature strengths and your personal values and you're applying those. And now you're starting to dream again. You have a vision for yourself, for your career and your life. You've stopped judging yourself and others. In month two, this is where I've taught you how to self-regulate with curiosity. You process difficult and stale emotions and release them. You replace your stuck story with how you're not whatever enough. 
and you are now creating a career plan with confidence, feeling worthy, you have self-control over negative thoughts, over your behavior, and months three to six, you are playing blue sky big. You are soaring here. You are self-empowered. You execute your career and life plan. You shine, apply for stretch roles if that's what you want. You have better relationships and control over your food intake, your sleep, your exercise, your self-care. You have compassion for yourself. And you know that person that you really dislike? You actually have compassion for them. So there is a link in the show notes, maryleeganner.com slash consultation. Go ahead and apply. I will reach out. I'll set up a phone call with you. We can go over some of the details, but I'm interested in helping you be that mindful leader with a satisfied life. And there's no reason to wait because it happens quickly. Hello, leader, and welcome to episode 72 of the Still Space podcast. Surround yourself with people who have your weaknesses as their strengths. It may seem counterintuitive. The truth is weak leaders surround themselves with people like themselves. Same strengths, same philosophies, same style. Strong leaders want to be challenged by people who are aligned with them on their mission and their vision. That doesn't mean they want someone on their team who is trying to undermine them or undercut them. If everyone's aligned with the vision and the mission, you want people who are going to point out things that you don't see. They want their team to think and express freely. They want their team to anticipate what they might miss. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to build a high-performing team and how to manage our own ego in the process so that we don't just surround ourselves with yes people, we surround ourselves with people who compliment us. In my first role as an executive director at Ohio Valley General Hospital Foundation, the president of the hospital taught me two very important rules for work. And there are people in your life, in your sphere of influence, that are happy to share things with you. Be the person who seeks out that advice and notice their wisdom. Notice how they've already done a lot of things, made a lot of mistakes, how it's shaped them, how they're showing up. And listen for the little nuances of their wisdom. He taught me, number one, to surround yourself with people who possess your weaknesses as their strengths and give the glory away. And how did I pick this up? I was in a conflict with somebody within the hospital. It was a tug of war over an event we were having. Obviously, the event came under the foundation. I was responsible for it. Somebody else that was on my committee was usurping my, I would say, power and responsibility in this event. And I was taking it very personally. And he said to me, listen to what they want to do. If it makes sense, let them do it their own way and give them credit for it and applaud them for it. Because whatever they get done is under your auspice and you get credit for it anyway. And the light bulb went off because I was in a tug of war with this person over control, which was foolish because she was working for me as a volunteer on this event. And yes, she had a big ego and yes, she wanted a lot of power and she put me down in a lot of ways. 
but she was doing work that I otherwise would have been responsible for. So I put my ego aside and I let her rain loudly and big and things that were important to her and just thanked her for doing it. I didn't have to arm wrestle her over decisions that needed to be made. I let her do them because I knew she could do it adequately. She had done it before and I didn't need to have that control. I was grateful for it. And I gave her a lot of credit for it all the time because somebody who is confronting you or in a tug of war with you feels that they're losing control. When you give them back that control, all of their bravado seems to settle down because you're recognizing them for the very thing that they feel inadequate about. Now, regarding that first rule of surround yourself with people who possess your weaknesses as their strengths, take a lesson from the politicians of the world. They wisely have entourages of people who help them fill in the gaps for everything that is not their area of expertise. They have speechwriters, analysts, strategists, economists, defense experts, and more waiting in the wings every day to offer advice. These people are usually not relatives or best friends. They're area of expertise is needed and the politicians yield to it. Now, they may not always agree with it, but their area of expertise brings value. Human nature calls us to surround ourselves with people like us, of course. That's great if you are talking about the person with whom you'll watch the football game with or a soccer game with or sit at the pool and talk with. We are all comfortable around people like ourselves, but if you are talking about making changes that will bring about a greater good for you and for those around you, for your family, etc., you need to define your weaknesses and then surround yourself with people who fill in those gaps. And that's hard to say, I'm not good at this. I want somebody who is. So we start with first noticing what we're good at. In my instance, I know that I'm very good at discernment, I'm good at strategy, I'm good at building consensus, I'm good at connection. All of those things are my strengths. I also know that I'm not good at spreadsheets. Some codes drive me nuts, although I can create and write a database in my sleep. Spreadsheets are not my forte. So That says to me, I need people around me who are a little more left brain talented than I am. But I have to note that before I start hiring people so that I can get somebody in my office that can do those things really well. Now, when I'm coaching leaders, I find a lot of times they're coming to me saying, I have this person reporting to me. They are usurping me at meetings and I just have to learn what they do better. That's not the right strategy because you hired somebody in a maven area of genius and you want to get out of their way and let them use it. You are never going to be better than them because you're good at what you do. So you're going to go off and do well what you do, but let that person be good at what they do as well. Now, what isn't in place is a boundary. A, it doesn't dovetail with the values of the organization for them to disrespect you at work, for them not to treat you with dignity. That's not in alignment with what is expected within your culture. So 
if you find that they're doing something like that at a meeting before the meeting is over say in front of everybody john or mary or whoever it is i'd like to speak with you when the meeting is over because that puts everybody else on notice that that wasn't okay and that you are going to talk with that person when that is over so then what does that meeting sound like because you have to go into it not it's like two bulls going at each other because you're going to either back down or you're, you'll say, you're, I'm not confrontational and I don't really want to have a difficult conversation. This is not you against them. This is them against the value of the organization. So you don't say something like, I don't like how you disrespected me at that meeting. They're going to roll their eyes and say, well, I don't feel like I disrespected you. You're going to say, I just want to ask you a question. When we were at the meeting and you said this, what was your intention? Well, I just wanted to get my point across, blah, 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 blah. And you're going to say, I felt like you were whatever, insert whatever that was. I felt disrespected. I felt that you were challenging me in an area that I didn't understand. I just want to be clear in what your intention was because I want you to know that I value you on this team. Your area of genius is very important to what we're doing and I don't want there to be any personal discord between the two of us. I want to say to you that I value you and I hope that we can show up and respect each other as we're working together to achieve whatever it is that you're working on. You're an integral part of this and I respect your work and I want you to know that. So that sort of per puts that person on notice that you're not in a tug of war with them, that you're not two bulls going at each other with your horns ready to stab each other. Your perspective is this is not personal. I'm trying to understand why you're doing this and I want you to know that I value you. So again, we're talking about surrounding ourselves with people who challenge us and are mavens at what it is that we need on our teams in order to advance our mission. And sometimes those will be people that are not like ourselves. They may not be the people that you call when you want a sympathetic ear, but my guess is that you will need a sympathetic ear less often if you are successful in what you do, thus leaving more time to be with your true friends. Think about it. If you are wonderfully creative and a risk taker, you are probably ahead in the innovative aspects of your work, in the innovative aspects of your own life. But you may not have clear processes and accountability in line when you are being innovative. Probably you let things slip through the cracks because you may forget about the details or aren't even aware what they need to be or what you should be paying attention to. Surround yourself with people who can help with that who help you strike a good balance between innovation and structure. Often in a marriage, one spouse will be creative and less structured, and this person will find a spouse who is more left-brained, strong, organized. A good balance is a bonus. Perhaps you may be very organized and methodical and are the person who provides the information needed to make clear and concise decisions. But the path in which those decisions lead may not be clear to you. The pitfalls and risks may seem too great to move forward. If that is the case, surround yourself with the creative energy needed to 
articulate the effects of different scenarios. Let's assume that you have the right people around you and are poised to succeed. Goals need to be defined in order to meet that success. You can't get somewhere if you don't know where you're going. Chances are that the main goal you want to achieve is going to remain your goal unless you can involve the team in setting and defining the parameters of the goal. You can't set goals on your own and think other people are going to own them. You want to get everybody around the table, talk about where you're going and how you're going to measure getting there back into your goals. Okay, let's imagine that we've hit this milestone. What else is going on there? What would we need to do in order to build to be there? So now you're having a big discussion and people are feeling involved, that they matter and they're contributing. If you engage a team in the goal setting process, they will want to be part of the success and work harder toward it. Let them own the rewards of the success of the team because they're the ones who set the goal, worked on it, worked on it with vigor, worked on it with enthusiasm because you let them be part of the process. You didn't define the process and then try to push it down on them. Now, once you reach your team's goals, do you feel as if you have done a great job? No, the team did a great job. You simply were the leader. Give the glory away. Just because you lead a team doesn't mean that you solely own the team's success. The team owns the success. As a matter of fact, I suggest that you give away the glory of the success solely to the team. I want to thank all of you for the work that you did to make this possible. Your outstanding dedication to the mission at hand is what made this happen. Being able to motivate people is one of the best skills you can have. It will multiply your effectiveness. Motivation will engage people to buy. It will engage people to follow you. It will engage people to trust you. It will engage people to help you. The single best way to motivate people that I know is to continue to reinforce their positive contributions by applauding them personally. Thus validating their efforts, giving them the glory is an excellent way to do this. And if you're doing it as a team, that's one thing. You also have to do it individually, noticing the little nuances of what everybody is contributing. Because saying you did a good job on that is not enough. But saying, I noticed how you tore this document apart and started over rather than just band-aiding over it with some edits. You really blew it up, found your voice, and it's much more powerful for the end user to read and it keeps them engaged. I wanna thank you for doing that. As that hospital president said to me, what do you care if others get the credit? You are measured by what it is that you accomplish. And if you can motivate others to help you get there, you don't need the credit. The results are what matters. They speak for themselves. So surround yourself with people who not only have your weaknesses as their strengths, surround yourself with people from whom you can learn to be a better leader, those who challenge you. I love to sit around with my team and have them say, Mary Lee, this just isn't working. And that is a red flag to me. My board members will say that sometimes. I don't understand that. 
That happened at a board meeting recently. I spent a whole week retooling a document so that it did make better sense. We worked on it very hard and it was much more powerful and much more effective. But in order to do that, I had to put my ego aside and say, hey, I just worked all summer on this. And what do you mean it's not making sense? It wasn't making sense and I had to accept that. Let me give you a little rule break here. Employers give personality profile tests to prospective hires all the time in order to tell their strengths and weaknesses. Interviewees are used to these tests and sometimes know what an employer is looking to see. And if you truly want to get to know someone in any situation, ask the person open-ended questions that are behavioral in nature so they don't try and skew the tests. And these open-ended questions will draw out their personality how they respond to unanticipated situations give you a real-time look at how they problem-solve. So sample questions may include, what was the biggest disappointment in your life, both personal and professional, and how did you deal with that? No personality test is going to allow for that because it's subjective. And you're going to watch how they respond to the question Are they at ease with that question? Does it make them uncomfortable? Do they seem very guarded in their answer? Or do they have a humility about them that will be a good fit for your team? Another question might be, what was the most gratifying thing that ever happened to you? Now you start to see what they value because you want people with aligned values on your team. What is the culture of your corporation where you're working now? See how they describe it. Are they negative? Because if they're negative about where they are now, they'll probably be negative about other things, including working for your organization. What was the best compliment you ever received? Now you're starting to get at what that person's strengths are. What was the worst criticism you ever received? Now you're getting at, does this person have the humility to stand naked vulnerably with what isn't working for them and see it? And how are they addressing that? Now, here is how to fill in some of your weakness gaps. I'm going to give you four points here. Number one, write down all of your personal and professional strengths. Remember how I said, let's start with our strengths first so that when we get to the weaknesses, we're not thinking we are only weaknesses. Number two, write down all of your personal and professional areas of opportunity. Otherwise, weaknesses. And please be honest. Number three, if you are hiring people or looking for a group with which to become affiliated for professional or social reasons, choose people whose strengths are your weaknesses. Number four, if you are seeking new friends, choose a mixture of both. Then make sure on your team you have people who are good at what you're not good at, seeing things that you don't see anticipating things that are not in your wheelhouse, where their area of genius isn't necessarily yours. And here are some ways to give them glory. Number one, tape a small sticky note with give away the glory written on it to the bottom margin of your computer monitor. Just that little cue will remind you to keep doing that. Number two, get a small notebook or start a document on your computer and label it Good Glories, where you can write down every time you have complimented someone on his or her work. 
because you might want to bring that out at a meeting. You might want to share that glory with other people. Get in the habit of looking at it to remind yourself of how often you compliment others. Number three, next time you work with someone on a project, whether it be your place of worship, in your child's school, at work, your local library, whatever it is, make note of every time you compliment someone on the work that they're doing. Now you are putting yourself on notice that you have an intention to do this. You're measuring how often you're doing it. You're recording that and you will see because of the way that you're measuring and revisiting this, you will see that this will become more of a habit. Number four, be specific on how you praise the person's glory. A simple thank you only shows that you're grateful. How about you went above and beyond expectations when you stayed until seven o'clock last night to make sure that everything was prepared for today's presentation. Because of your work, the presentation could not have been more effective. Thank you for your expertise, your dedication. I am personally grateful for this. Now here's a little tip that you can use when you're giving feedback. It's the FBI way of giving feedback. Number one, tell them how you feel about what was done. If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have been able to rely on this team to get this done. Okay, that's how you feel. I'm comforted to know that I have somebody on this team, you, that I can trust and rely on. So the F stands for feel. The B stands for the behavior. You include what it is that they did. I feel trust and gratitude because you, and then insert what they did. And then follow that with the impact because of you, this sale was made, this project got finished on time. We are now poised to hand this off to the next department to achieve success, whatever it is. So again, FBI, start with the feeling that you have that you can trust them and rely on them. B, the behavior that they did, what specifically they did, and I, the impact that that had. If you give feedback in the FBI method, it will go much farther than saying, great job. Number five, send a note home to their home, a handwritten note. I know nobody does this anymore. You want to stand out, do things that other people don't do. Send a handwritten note to their home, thanking them. Send a handwritten note to their partner or their spouse or their family, thanking them for sharing their loved one with you, for that dedication, complimenting them. You do something like this, it will stand out because nobody does this. Number six, place a reminder in your calendar to analyze the list that you've been keeping track of, all of the things that your people are doing that are great. You will start to see this list grow and grow and grow. I keep a little notebook in my desk of wonderful things that have happened, wonderful things that people have done. And then sometimes I'll read back at the end of a difficult month or a difficult project or whatever. I'll read back some of our high moments to keep people in their zone of, yes, I am effective. Yes, I matter. Yes, I am important. That's our job as leaders, and you've got this. So wishing you the courage to manage your own ego, 
to where you can surround yourself with people who have strengths that are not yours and allow them to use them and applaud them for using them because that's just aligning all of your values and your work ethic to advance the mission so life can be a little easier and we don't have to worry about things. We can be more productive, more efficient, and more rewarded. Great going. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for being here today. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.